Today on Frightful Failures on Film, we are reviewing Hashtag Horror, a 2015 flick that desperately attempts to take a stand on the social media-driven pressures put on our children. Our children! So, don't tell your roommate you killed his girlfriend's cat. Just inject it with some glow stick juice, because it's time for... Frightful Failures! Dan, don't try to sway me with making references to films that I love. When you when you decide, like, look, I don't know how I need to rig these games or how I need to cheat to win, but I cannot have you. You haven't already tried to cheat to win before? How dare you? I can't let you make these kind of judgment calls because this was horrible. Hello, everybody. I'm Zach Romero. This is my co-host, Tian Guignol. Uh, and... And this is the hardest episode of Frightful Fairies on film that we've had to do. Because not that this is necessarily, that hashtag horror was not necessarily the worst film that we've watched so far. Um, that's, that's a, de- that's a debate for another day. Um, this is the most infuriating film that we've had to watch for this show. Uh, and I have to start by saying IFC, be better. You're the new Lionsgate, okay? You're making shit that people with $5 to their name are asking you to put together for them. Stop it. What was the other movie we watched that did that was also IFC independent or IFC After Dark or whatever the fuck they call themselves? It was one of the other recent ones. That's one, one of them. What, yeah, yeah. It, it might, might have, have been, been. I don't think it was Blood Glacier. It, was, it might have been the one. It might have been The Hollow. Yeah, yeah, I think it was The Hollow. But yeah. yeah, IFC, this is the second time IFC has pissed in my mouth and told me that it's lemonade. Just I'm not going to show. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was it was really really horrible, and I'm really really excited to hear your uh, opinions on it. Uh, but before we jump into that, how was your week, buddy? Oh, not 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 terrible, not terrible. Uh, I I should have. I I wish I'd had more time. You know, like they say on your deathbed, you have regrets. Like I regret not going outside and like smelling fresh air or going to an amusement park before seeing this pile of shit movie mm. because now my life will never be the same. Oh gosh, and, and you didn't happen to even get out and go to an actual movie theater this week. That still has yet to happen. Of course, I, I got a little chalkboard right next to my setup here, where I just kind of make a tally mark for each week that you don't get out to a movie theater. Because uh, I once again did this week. I saw Jungle Book this week, um, which is really, really good. Um, I'm sure you're aware uh, King Louis played by Christopher Walken. This uh, is, is really good, but this is a great moment from the movie that I'm sure they did on purpose. Where they walk in, Mowgli's in there, and he's about to meet King Louis. He's been led into this temple by all the monkeys, and he sees all of King Louis' artifacts on the ground, like various fruits and like uh, man-made artifacts that he has collected. And sitting on the top of the artifacts is a giant cowbell that he picks up and shakes, and that's when King Louis comes out. Like a, a big cowbell is just the magical, like the Cabin in the Woods artifact that summons Christopher Walken. That's I thought amazing. that was very, very well done. Um, but yeah, good movie. Definitely I'd recommend getting out and see it. Oh, and by the way, I'm not sure you noticed, but this is our 10th episode. You know that, right? I didn't know that, and I'm, again... Very upset that this was the movie we had to pick for our tenth episode. Like, this should have been a joyous thing. This should have been the episode to watch Student Bodies or uh, or All American Murder. 
Yeah. Not, uh, not hashtag buttfuck the movie. Like, <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I hate that that's not necessarily a celebration, but, but the good news is that I have been looking into a lot of ways to continue to, to grow viewership. You know, like I hear that there's a lot, well, first of all, to anybody that's stumbled upon this episode, thank you. And please mention us in person. You know, you're at the water cooler at work, uh, on the bus next to somebody, even during the middle of a movie, just lean over to a complete stranger and say, hey, the boy Zach and Tiana would have a field day with this one. Just please talk about us. That'd be great. And also, on a personal note, I've read a, a few articles about uh, it's good to say buzzwords sometimes on podcasts because it'll it'll hel- allow more people to find the tags, the, the metadata, if you will, to mm-hmm. hunt down a podcast. So I've got a, a few of them here, and, and just stop me whenever you want to. But uh, so first off, um, ISIS. Okay, uh, Edward Snowden. Uh, hashtag congrats North Korea. Uh, build the wall, make them pay for it. All right. Do you want me to keep going? I think I think the name of this episode is officially hashtag congrats North Korea. <laughs> I think that's a given. Hopefully, yeah. Um, the, hopefully that those will help people stumble upon us a little bit more. So hey, if you're listening out there, I think that'll I think that's officially our new uh, opening line for from now on. Is we'll have the intro. Uh, which is always uh, the highlight of the episode, and then we'll just use one of these buzzwords as our opener, so yeah. that new listeners won't know what the fuck is going on, and they'll think that we're just crazy people. So we like to alienate new listeners, definitely. <laughs> so number one goal is how mm-hmm. do we make new listeners feel really uncomfortable and lost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there are there are no old listeners, so might as well make the new listeners feel uncomfortable. Excellent. <sighs> Great. Well, why don't we get started on the old hashtag horror here? So, um, actually, let me tell you how bad. This is like a Rodney Dangerfield bit. Like, let me tell you how bad this movie is. <laughs> oh, I love this one. How bad is it? It's so bad that I had to go do research on IMDb about who wrote and directed this piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, actually, the person who was in charge of, uh, and I didn't even write down her goddamn name, but the person who was in charge of putting this film together and putting it on on screen and handling such a delicate and complicated subject matter such as cyberbullying is a 43-year-old woman whose claim to fame is as good as it gets and you go well that's a Helen Hunt Nick, uh, Jack Nicholson movie that's pretty that was a pretty big deal so she clearly kind of knows how a movie needs to work no 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 she didn't direct as good as it gets she didn't help write as good as it gets she was an extra on set who played one of the nameless waitresses in as good as it gets, and that's literally her claim to fame on IMDb. Oh boy, is she the one that uh, Jack? Really Not even the one that Jack gets Nicholson very upset talks with to. in the movie. No, she was one of the other ones that was just in the background. So anyway, oh. that gave her enough insight on how to make a movie. So she decided to make hashtag horror, which, by the way, is based on true events. It says right there on the movie, based on true events. It took me way too long to get kind of what they were referring to, and it wasn't until the very end, which we have the clip of, that it, it, it flat out tells you, if you haven't figured it out already, the exact event that they're referring to that, that uh, inspired this wonderful film. But, but and, and we'll get into this when we get to that particular clip, but it is based on true events in the exact same way that the goddamn Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on real events, which is to say, oh, a thing happened... And we're just going to make a movie and just claim that that is related to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
it definitely had no basis off of any anything real that has happened recently, especially not the thing that they're referring to, which we'll talk about. Um, I don't believe there's any actual truth behind that there. No. So the movie <sighs> is about seven, I think seven girls. Um, the the they're twelve years old. The, the movie tells us that like about a dozen times, mm. and uh, it's the uh, the bitchy one, 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 the fat one. And the red herring. Those are the uh, those are the seven girls. Yeah, it's it's really horrible. I mean, the, the, there is absolutely no distinction between several of them. And I actually had to pull up the IMDb, and I couldn't even compare because there was the photos of these you know young actresses, and I couldn't even tell them apart. Uh, so I really had to just. I actually had to turn on the captions of this movie to wait until one of them said another one's name so I could kind of put a name to a face and say, okay, that's, all right, that's Bitchy Spice, that's Fat Spice, that's Dyke Spice, right. and, and try and figure it out. Which is, about, that's probably about as best as we're going to get in terms of actually naming these characters, because the movie barely does it. So, uh, we get dropped in, um, right away, and we see somebody getting, some dicky do guy getting, uh, murdered in his red Ferrari out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, this guy gets killed and his, like, side piece gets killed. Did it show the side piece getting killed? She got chased down and then, like, left in the snow. That was it. Um, I did not see that part because as soon as his throat gets slashed, it, it goes through the opening credits, which are right. horrible. We'll get into that. Um, yeah, no, but, no, no, let's talk about that real quick. So then okay. so it, it jumps into, oh, this is what iPhones are like, right? And it's just a lot of bright colors and noise, which uh, no, um, no warning for people who are sensitive to epilepsy, by the way, for this movie. Because, Jesus Christ, they throw these weird colors and shit at you out of nowhere, like, several times throughout the movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. Everything is candy color, and they have these emojis just flashing the screen, and it's just the, the sound of cha-ching, and the texting sounds, and it's it's horrible. It's like a sensory overload. It feels like you're fucking Alex from A Clockwork Orange, just like, right. sitting there watching the Yeah, screen. you're getting the Ludovico Terrible. treatment right there uh, when yeah. you're watching this shitty Netflix movie. So this is um, uh, what you're introduced to in the beginning. The, the man who gets killed in Red Lamborghini is uh, Mr. Cox, uh, the father of sort of the main family, I guess you could say. Yeah. He's having himself a little steamed clam buffet, if you know what I mean, uh, with his little mistress or whatever it is. Has a conversation with his wife uh, before getting his threats flesh. She's on to the fact that he's having an affair before we get in these terrible credits, uh, which I really had a very... It was very hard not to stop myself from just turning the TV off during those intro credits because I, I could not. It was impossible to deal with that. Yeah. Um. So so we get through and we're introduced to uh, first Sam, one of the girls, um, and the most notable actor in this is Natasha Leone playing her mother from Orange Is the New Black. There's actually two actresses from Orange Is the New Black in this movie. The only notable actresses in this whole thing, um, and she's being dropped off uh, at the Cox family house. They're basically the Dietzes, but not interesting. Right. Uh, they're a bunch of stuffy white people with a bunch of weird, creepy art all around their house. And uh, you're very much introduced very quickly into the Mean Girls environment that is happening here, where Sophia Cox, the, the daughter of the this rich family, is kind of the Rachel McAdams of the group. She's the meanest one. She's the blonde. She's saying, why would you invite this new girl, blah, blah, blah. So we're immediately to think Sam, the girl that we're just introduced to, is our protagonist, is our outsider, is our look into this mean girl world. She's our Lindsay Lohan, perhaps. 
Mm-hmm. That's what we're meant to think at the beginning here. And uh, do you want me to play this clip here? Um, because basically, this is the the movie very heavy handedly, um, kind of bringing us as to what the crux of this movie is going to be about. That uh, the oh, this the, is the this is the uh, inner where she's talking to her, her father, right? Yes, yeah, correct. Her father. Yeah, this is the other girl we're introduced to. This is the thing the movie automatically starts to fuck up with is that it can't figure out who it wants you to side with. So you're also I'm given already, a kind of. I'm already getting confused with all these characters. Like, yeah. like I'm like no and joke. And who are the I ones to we watch were, the movie? Yeah, I thought we were talking about the same person because yes, uh, Sam is the is the red herring. She's got these weird visions of murders and shit that we don't get any explanation as to what the hell is going on with those. Um, so she is our actual uh, final girl, but she is the, um, she's also the red herring because the movie goes, oh, we should care about her, but, oh, she she might be crazy. And then we cut to Kat, who is talking with her father because she just almost got suspended from school for cyberbullying. So here, let me play this. God forsaken goddamn clip real quick. It was a huge misunderstanding. Explain to me how this is a misunderstanding. You just don't how, get it. How, I, oh, I, okay. I accept that. I don't get it. So make me get it. I wasn't being mean. It's just how we tag each other online. It's all the kids do it. What does that mean, tag each other? It's just, it's kind of like a nickname, like a username. Wait, what do you mean? It doesn't matter. It's fine. It's just, it's not mean. That's all you have to know. It's not. Then why is he telling me it is? Okay, so this actually, it's its really great that, that we, that this this is the first clip we're going at, because this actually really um, succinctly kind of puts together what my, what one of my main problems with this is this movie, is that this is a movie about a very real thing that teenage kids are experiencing and dealing with, and it's delivered super heavy-handedly by a 43-year-old woman who doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Because the whole purpose of that conversation... Basically, this movie is, can you believe these fucking kids today? The movie. That's it. That's a, that's 100% what this movie is. Because that right there showcases where it's like, why are you doing that? You're being so mean. Oh, it's all, all the kids do it. Here's the bottom line. Here's, and I'm going to take the wind out of the sails real quick here. Here's what cyberbullying genuinely is. It is, um, it is a product of there being no consequences to anonymity online. And real people do it. Kids do it. Basically, what's happened here is children have figured out very quickly that as long as you can hide your, your name pretty well, there is no consequences to being an asshole on the Internet. There's none. You can be a shitty person, and as long as you cover your tracks, nothing bad is going to happen to you. So, and, and what's yeah, and and what's particularly confusing about the way that the director is choosing to present this is that she wants uh, she, she she has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. You're right, but she also wants to pretend like her generation also just is completely clueless, as seen in that clip where the father says, tag, tag, what does that mean? Tag, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, and he also, tags, he, what also, does that mean? he also is befuddled by the phrase pinky swear, which I'm pretty sure has been around since, like, the 18 goddamn 30s. Um, and you know that there's no uh, real straight through to this movie at all, simply because he doesn't know what a tag is, but then... Five seconds later, it gets a notification from Farmville that he's playing that his apples are ready to be harvested. 
surely if you play Farmville, I'm certain that that game says, hey, tag your friends and get an extra few cows or whatever. Yeah. Which, so it's, but, and that's that's exactly it. It's this, this big snooty, like, I know better attitude of this movie of like, oh, like, he's not even there for his daughter. Do you get it? He's too busy texting people. We don't talk to each other these days. It's literally, can you believe these fucking kids, the movie? But yeah, my bottom, my, my, my point is about cyberbullying is, it's, cyberbullying is never done face to face, which this movie does. This movie presents itself like, oh, kids are just, extra shitty these days and will say shitty things to their face. No, they will cowardly hide on the internet. That's the whole point of cyberbullying is that you can hide and you could just be shitty on Facebook so you don't have to be shitty in person because if everybody had to be shitty in person, like if that was the only way you could bully somebody, there's a lot less bullying. Bullying mm. still exists, but there's a lot less of it. Like the TV tropes where there's like the bully, like Nelson Muntz on The Simpsons, like there's the bully. Cyberbullying allows anybody to be a bully because there's no confrontation. You don't have to be confident or bigger than the person. You could be a shitty individual and just hide on Facebook or Instagram or or Snapchat or whatever. You can hide, so therefore anybody can do it. This movie presents it like, oh, for being a movie about cyberbullying, it only comes up once in real life. Meaning, there's only one scene when something shitty is said to about one of the girls online. It's the fat tranny whatever uh, post. That's yes. it. That's the only part that's actual cyberbullying. Everything else is just these girls are just shitty to one another, and that's it. Um, but you're you're absolutely right in that there's no exploration whatever uh, whatsoever about the theme of anonymity in this at all. In fact, uh, and we'll show you this, the aesthetic that they chose that's used for the introduction of this game, quote unquote, that they're playing, where you get the most likes and blah blah blah. It always has the user in the bottom left screen, and it'll tell you, it always has the character's name in it, oh, this is Sam that posted this, this is Sophie, Sophia that posted this, yada yada. There's no anonymity, no exploration of that whatsoever. Yeah, and, and I also wanted to point out that uh, I got your Mean Girls comparison, but the one that was for me, this was Scream Queens. This is somebody doing a shitty, shitty version of Scream Queens. Because they're all just being, because uh, the main girl is supposed to be Chanel. She's got the rich family. Um, there's no consequences to her. Uh, she can just do whatever she wants, and she's like the alpha bitch. That's what it said to me. But Scream Queens was actually entertaining and had some pretty funny moments to it. This is horse shit about 12-year-old girls. So so we very quickly get into their party. Cat um, has now officially shown up as well. Uh, you're confused as to who you're kind of supposed to be rooting for because you're given a little bit of Sam's backstory and a little bit of Cat's backstory. You don't really know who's the good guy between them. Uh, but they're having a party, and they start to very quickly play dress-up like little girls do. And that's when we really get the game comes in, and they start showing the aesthetic and the look and the noises of this game, which you hear throughout the movie, which let's just go ahead and show you guys how irritating that is once we show you what this sounds like. I have a surprise for you. Ready? Nice. 
Just a barrage of noise, like, mm. at all times. A cacophony, a, a most, by literal definition, a cacophony of light and sound. And that's happening throughout the movie. I'd say every five to ten minutes, that will happen. It's horrible. Which also, I wanted to say something about that scene. So they're going and they're trying on all this jewelry and taking pictures and things like that, which is actually pretty authentic. That's, that would be something I would believe 12-year-old girls nowadays would do. But one of them finds a gun that's, like, bedazzled, <laughs> and now they're all posing with the gun. And one thing that I found very interesting was at the end of the movie, uh, which we'll get into, they show the picture of one of the girls with the gun, and that... That, again, made me laugh because we all know that's not what would happen. If these girls were were African-American, then yes, that would happen. They would show a picture of one of them holding a gun. But these are little white girls in suburbia, so no, that would never come up in the news feed. That would never be reflected in any way. They would show, like, their their, their school yearbook photo, and that would be the end of it. So, uh no, I thought that point. was very interesting as well. I was like, we all know that's yes. not how that would go. Exactly. And here's the thing. It might sound like we're getting very preachy and really talking more about the theme and the meaning behind this as opposed to the actual action and characterization that we were seeing on the screen. And that's because there's very little of that. I was just going to uh, say, we would do nothing but just talk about the action on screen if there was fucking any to be discussed. This yes. movie is a goddamn mess. From start to finish, and my and one of my biggest issues here is that none of these characters act like real people. And I'm not talking about like, oh, they're so mean. I'm talking about like nobody makes any kind of logical sense or decisions at any point in this movie. So going from as Zach said, the kind of realistic, yes, twelve year old girls would do this, playing dress up, uh, wearing fancy jewelry, and things like that. Uh, we've also been introduced to the, the mother who had called uh, Father Cox getting the old road doma before. Uh, she is very much the former model character mm-hmm. archetype, where she's kind of washed up, she's got an alcohol problem, she's obsessed with her young daughter and her friends, and very much dresses and acts like she's younger than she is. That's her character archetype. And once again, showing another aspect of, oh, this is the type of parent that could possibly ignore their children and cause this to happen. Parents, tune in! Tune the fuck in! Yeah. Um, so, so very quickly, we go from these realistic, potentially realistic things these 12-year-old girls are doing to almost immediately, four minutes later, we get into the hardcore bullying. Not cyberbullying, to the face bullying. Right. Here. Georgie, you're really funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what fat people do. They make us laugh. Georgie, I think it's really positive that you're going to start dancing again. What about also including Soul Cycle? <laughs> In addition to the more gentle dance classes <laughs> it would be amazing for you <laughs> georgie is not doing soul cycle ever seriously maybe it's a time to start investigating lipo my dad could give you a good deal your butt looks huge Stop. that is the first place you should lipo and then you can save it for when you get older and then hopefully you can inject it and improve your ugly face i mean you are a plastic surgeon's wet dream i mean look at it there's so much jiggly fat how can you be this fat at only 12? I mean, where is this head? Which, um, included in that scene is, um, the, uh, the, the, the line that essentially sets up everything else in the movie. Um, weird dead inside cat, uh, says, makes the comment that when her mom died, 
they were all extra shitty to her. And uh, in which the, the, the main girl says, you need to get over that. Um, that is our that is our catalyst for the rest of this film, is that throwaway line. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd like to say I'm triggered by that scene right there. As a fellow fat girl, I'm very triggered by that. Right. That's, that's um, a, 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 a huge series of microaggressions. Yes. Um, but uh, this is now at this point, the clip you just listened to, we're, we're a full almost 40 minutes into the movie, and almost nothing has happened at this point. It's just... Little girls just given the rain, almost like the this director went in and she wanted to be these young actresses' friend or something, and she's like, "Hey, here's a bunch of fun playthings. Here's a bunch of fancy jewelry, and you guys just just play off of each other. Just have fun. Be a little mean. Be a little mean to the fat girl there, but just have fun. Look at this big fancy set we're in. Just run around, have a blast." Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's any structure to any of this or any real direction. It's just sort of this loud noise fest, and so. From there, that absolutely not example of cyberbullying happens. They kick Cat out of the house, and then she goes apeshit, and she ends up calling her dad in hysterics and um, saying that they oh they kicked me out of the house and blah blah blah. And so then Dad shows up, and I think this was uh, Tian. If I may be so bold, I think this was your favorite character in the movie, which is interesting because none of these characters were my favorite characters in this goddamn movie. <laughs> so. Um, He's my favorite character because he's an absolute maniac. Uh, he's absolutely like, what's his name from uh, Brain Twisters? Yes, um, yes, he's Dr. <laughs> Rothman. Yes. Um, but, and here's the thing, for everybody listening here, because I know obviously, hopefully you haven't seen this movie and you will not see this movie. Um, this is the same, I'm about to play this clip. This is the same character we heard at the very beginning of the first clip. This is the very quiet why don't you explain to me what cyberbullying is? He is that ca- the same guy, same mm-hmm. character, this same is, dude. And, yeah, and this is uh, thirty minutes later. This is thirty minutes later. This is literally the second time we see this character. The first time is the the important thing right now is good grades and what school you're going to get into. And this is the second time we're we see him on screen. Where's Cat? Where? Cat. Where is she? She left. When? How long ago? Half an hour ago. Cat! daughter has been subjected to here tonight. She's a bully! She made me cry! She told me to kill myself! Good advice. Good advice, by the way. (laughs) My god. My god. So, at this point, and you you can sort of hear it, but when he plays the voicemail of his daughter, he, like, grabs them all by the scruff of their necks and just kind of huddles them in together to to hear this. That's why you hear them all kind of whimpering and cowering. So, at this point, you're thinking, wow, he's really not handling this properly. He's very upset. But you could still sort of think, oh, very protective father. This is the only thing he has. The mother's dead. Yeah, the mother's dead, and they keep kind of playing up, like, this has already happened before, like, Mm-hmm. They've already had some pretty big drama in the past, 
and uh, and and and, and <laughs> the one of eight thousand moments that made me throw my hands in the air and just go, God fucking damn this, is when Cat is in the forest and she's calling her father in hysterics. She goes to voicemail, and she says the line. Mom would have never screened my calls, which is again so fucking heavy handed of like, she misses her mom. Do you get it yet? Do you get that she misses her mom? Like, it's so. It's a broken home. He's not trying hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, uh, Dr. White is, uh, is losing his shit. And so he's, uh, here's a little more, he's a little more sample of him trying to negotiate with the girls, which I, I, I want to dissect this in just a minute. So here you go. <laughs> now it's just us, right? Why don't we just talk about this, okay? Why don't we just talk about this calmly? You put that knife down and leave this instant! I'm going to call the police. This is crazy. You can't treat us this way. And if you think my mother isn't going to have my back, you're wrong. You messed her tits up and she's pissed. <laughs> now here's the thing. I hate this movie. I really genuinely did. <laughs> and um, now that we're, we're discussing it here, we're looking at it um, analytically. I will say, and this is going to be the only positive thing I can possibly say about this movie. I would have watched a movie just about Dr. White being a nutcase in his everyday life. Because this cannot be the peak of it. Because he, if he's supposed to be a plastic surgeon, like I can't imagine. And there's a scene later where he finally runs into the girl's mom, and he's like, a, he's a fucking insane, like serial killer. There, too. He's like, like he's like grabbing her like mouth, and he's just like, don't you ever talk to me this way? Like he's just a complete nut bar, and like completely flies off the handle. And especially when the movie tells us, like, oh, this has already happened before, and yet he's still acting like a like a complete nutcase. <laughs> I would have watched that. Like, I would watch Absolutely. a movie, like, almost if it was, like, a remake of The Dentist, but instead it's with this guy, and he's just losing his shit. <laughs> like, like, somebody's like, well, I don't, like, my cheekbone seems a little, and he's like, don't you ever fucking talk to me about your cheekbones, like... Just losing his mind. Because when he's talking to the girls in that last scene, he's literally holding a knife in his hand. And he goes, let's talk about this rationally. And then there's a scene earlier where he's like, look, I don't get why you have to be this way. You girls are so mean to each other. Cat! Like, he interrupts his own sentence to scream his daughter's name. Like, he's such a fucking nutcase. So I would have watched a movie of just him and his everyday life. Like, road rage. It's like, utterly superb. Yeah, no, it's 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 still totally fantastic. It's a John Travolta level of like un, unwanted touching to people's faces and uh, intimate areas, and uh, so so not only do you get that where it, it goes from hey he's he's overreacting definitely, but he's just a passionate father too. Oh my God, he's taking a knife to these girls in literally one minute. Um, and we, we've got, a, uh, the majority of our clips of this movie are just from this one scene and of Dr. White and how fucking off his rocker he yeah, is. Yeah, let's, 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 why stop a good thing? Let's go ahead yeah, and uh, play this please. here. God, you gotta pick up, you sent me a text message saying you were lost. Well, I'm here now. We can't do this, right? Remember, honey? Remember, we're not gonna do this again to each other. You're not gonna put me through this. Dr. Hutchins said we can work this out together. That's what we're gonna do, we're gonna out together, okay? Honey, I can't do this. We gotta do this together, all right? We gotta do this together, okay? Okay, just me and you. We're a team. God, God damn it, call me! You have to, you have to, you have to. 
Like, he goes from Concerned Father to Jack Nicholson in The Shining in the span of, like, ten seconds. Like, like first of all, he goes in the beginning of that clip, Ah, oh, you sent me a text that said you were lost, I'm here. No, she didn't. She left you a voicemail. And then he's like, Doc, call me, goddamn you. And then he's just screaming. And then the panting and the, you have to, you have to, you have to. Like, what kind of message are you leaving her on her phone? Like, she's going to be like, oh, dad's looking for me. Like, no, you're having a goddamn nervous breakdown on the phone. Like, how does that help her in any way? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm building a trap! <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, she's going to act like a wild animal bitch. I'm going to catch her like a wild animal bitch. It's like, what are you talking about? He's he's utterly fantastic, and I also get the impression, just like the director said, "Hey girls, uh, go crazy." They really told this guy go crazy because there's one point where he grabs one of the girls by the face and she starts smiling because I assume she's terrified of the actual actor and not <laughs> even of what's happening in the screen. She's terrified that he's actually gonna like stab her, and he, she starts smiling, nervous smiling. And he's going, "Why are you smiling?" What, what's so funny? And you just really get the impression that he's acting with all these kids, and the director just says, yeah, just go crazy, man. Just scare grab by the hair. Smash, scare the other shit out of him. I haven't even told him what's going to happen in the screen. I, I, in this scene here, I told them that uh, the, the father's going to come in, and he's going to be a little upset. So just absolutely let him have it. Just scare the absolute shit out of these little girls. Yeah, and, and, and it feels like that with the editing there, too, because there's like a lot of times he's just saying the same thing. It's just from a slightly different angle. <laughs> and it was just, it's very odd. So um I feel like we've given this movie too much credit now. Like don't don't get confused and think that this movie was actually worth our time because it fucking wasn't. Yeah. It just so happens this character is kind of nutty, but the rest of this movie is still utter dog shit. And after they leave because in that scene uh two of the girls leave. Um Sam leaves because she's going to go out into the cold and look for Cat and uh, one that I don't even know her name because she looks exactly like Sam and Cat runs out of the room once he pulls the knife, gets scared, runs out of the room. Um, so at that point, we're just left with Fat Spice, Dyke Spice, and Super Bitchy Spice um, are kind of the three that are left at this point. Um, and they react to Dr. White. After he left, they kind of go, well, that was weird. We have a clip of them reacting to that. Where's Cat? she hurt? Why didn't her weird dad call the police? He's so rich. He doesn't have to call the police. He owns the police. If he's so rich, why does he dress like that? He looks like Hitler. Your mom slept with Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, your mom. Stop it, guys. It's not funny, okay? Which, okay, so you would think after that scene I would want to talk about the, the calling him Hitler when he really isn't being Hitler at all. Like, um... Like, it is a very internet thing, like, if, if all else fails compared to Hitler, but he does, he's just wearing a coat and gloves, like, it's not, that joke doesn't yeah. even make sense. But. I didn't, I didn't know Hitler personally, but he's mostly known for wearing, like, a military suit, like a, like a brownish-green military suit, not a jacket, you know, right. not a trench coat and a tie. So. But anyways, the, uh, the thing that I wanted to really, uh, discuss there was just the fact that the why didn't he call the police and oh he's so rich he owns the police that's not a fucking explanation for why he didn't call the police like if he's genuinely concerned that his daughter is missing he should call the police there's no getting around that 
And that's the other thing that really uh, drove me nuts about this movie is this movie is two parts. Can you believe it's kids today? And one part, how do you make a horror movie now when the elephant in the room is everybody has cell phones? And normally the response to that is, oh, you just put them out in the boonies or like, oh, reception is bad or whatever. Uh, you know, they've been doing that since Jeepers Creepers. Oh, we did cell service sucks out here for some reason. So that's usually your answer is how do we get around? Everybody has cell phones. They can just call the police or call Uber or get the fuck out of danger. Um, so the response in this is all the girls put their phones in a safe and then lock the safe and throw the keys away like any goddamn teenage girl would ever agree to that. And, uh, and so, oh, and the, so there's no way they can call anybody to save the day or do anything, you know, actually helpful. Um, but I actually, Tian, I have a, I have a very serious question for you that I never thought I would ask on this show. Did Sam, the 12 year old girl, did she have sex previously? Oh, God. <laughs> because uh, the movie feels the need to really push that for it, nothing. It's really interesting that this movie is directed by a woman because there is some hard straddling of the line of mm, discomfort that you would feel watching this as they very much borderline. They don't quite go over the edge to where you go, I need to turn this off, but uh, they very much uh, borderline sexualize these girls. And, and that's a scene. I mean, there's scenes where, you know, they're dancing and, you know, one of them's got their bra strap hanging out and yada, yada. And then indeed they're playing, uh, you know, never have I ever, or whatever it is in this weird. And that's the <laughs> like, thing too is, okay. So the, these are 12 year old girls. The movie establishes that, but they're all dressing up like, like women, and I get the point that they're trying to make that 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 kids these days are growing up faster and faster. And it's true, it's true. Um, I have a uh, I have a 13 year old uh, uh, sister in law, and she looks like a person now. When I was 13 years old, I was some kind of goblin in denim shorts. That's what I looked like when I was 13. So like, yes, kids today they they know like that co that colors can coordinate. Like they know not everybody dresses themselves in the dark anymore. And that's what we all did for some reason when we were kids. So I get what they're trying to draw here. And, uh, and then there's a point where they're drinking, they're underage drinking. Um, uh, and the movie makes a point that, Oh, these guys, I can't, Dr. White loses it. Oh, you've been drinking. Oh my God. Which yes, that's a big deal, but underage drinking has existed forever. There's always been underage drinking. Not that it's good, but it's not something that's just been invented in the last 15 minutes. Yeah, no, it, not at all. I mean, you know, I think both of our fathers, like, started, like, smoking when they were, like, 13 or something. Right, exactly. Um, um, you know, so, so... So, again, this is not new to us. Like, so you trying to present it like, oh, this is a millennials thing. No, this has been around forever. So, mm -hmm. anyways, so they're doing... Uh, to all answer your question, I don't think so. Okay, so they're doing all these things in the movie to establish that these girls are like trying to act older than they are, and they're they're trying to be more mature for their age, and they're you know that whatever. And then they do this never have I ever thing, and one of the girls goes, "Oh well, I kissed Christopher the other day," and all the girls go, oh, 
Like, this is the biggest deal. So now suddenly they're all just modest little angels. Like, before, like, ten minutes ago, it was, you know, they're going to push the limit of being barely legal, whatever bullshit. And now suddenly it's, oh, my God, they're just getting out of the cooties phase. And so that felt really weird and heavy-handed. And then, yes, Sam, the weird girl, the red herring, says, oh, well, I've actually had sex before. And they go, nuh-uh. And then the scene ends and we move on to something else. And I go, well, what was the point of that then? Like, did she really? Because honestly, as as fucked as this is going to sound, that scene was setting itself up to be a flashback of her getting molested by somebody. Because she says it, like, very just kind of, like, uncomfortably. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I've actually done it before. And they're like, what the? And then it's like, that would be, if you were ever going to do it, that was your opening. To go, oh, hey, by the way, she has some sort of trauma Mm -hmm. or some sort of weird history. And that's why she feels so uncomfortable around these girls. That's why she can't be normal, quote, unquote, or whatever. No, it just cuts right there and goes on to the next scene. And then ten minutes later... One of the other girls goes, hey, by the way, Sam, I know you're lying about having sex before. And Sam goes, nuh-uh, I have. And then we move on to another scene. And then blah, 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 blah. And then ten minutes later, hey, by the way, what else have you lied about? Because we know you were lying about having sex. Nuh-uh, I've had sex before. And then we move on to another scene, and that's it. So it's like, well, what even was the fucking point then? Because you either use it as a tool to move your story along... Or you show her lying about it and go, oh, God, she's just really trying to fit in. You don't just leave it hanging out like that, like, girls talk, and then that's it. There was no there was no need for it, and it really irritated the shit out of me. These are these are 12-year-old girls. I mean, there's, there's, like, absolutely no respect given to some of the things that they're having them do, aside from it attempting to make a point. If she had tried to make a point, like you were saying, about this girl's claim, one way or the other, that there was some point, then sure, maybe that's appropriate to have this 12-year-old girl say that. But because there was no point to it and no conclusion to it and, and no, there was no stakes at all in her saying that and, and it didn't weigh on the film in any way, it's just unnecessary and, and kind of gratuitous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it, had, if it had resulted in something, if it was, here's why she's a f- survivor girl or here's why she's weird or here's why this or that or whatever then sure, that would be, then I would say, okay, it was worth the squeeze. But in this case, it's like, no, and it means nothing. Same thing with, um, with, uh, Kat. We are introduced at the very beginning, excuse me, at the very beginning to, uh, this character named Bennett, who's apparently like her would-be boyfriend and is a very bad influence on her, according to her father, who has never met him. And at one point when he's freaking out and showing all these girls a knife, he asks if she ran off with Bennett, and all the girls say, no, she hasn't. We don't ever meet Bennett. We don't ever see him in this movie. He has never, ever used any... Then why the fuck did you bring it up? If it's not going to go anywhere, then why even fucking bring it up? It's extremely unnecessary, as with most most aspects of this movie. Yes, and that's and... one of the things that really irked me about it, is there's a lot of ideas of this film that just go nowhere that don't do anything that don't move the story in any way or or help to clarify things it's literally just here's just noise because we have to fill out the time and that's it so mr cox is killed um 
two minutes into this movie. Keep in mind, this is a film called Hashtag Horror, which when you really think about it, this is now the only film that can be called Hashtag Horror, meaning this is the only film that could potentially be made with the concept of social media generation horror movie. Mm -hmm. So you would think that they'd have some gravity to that, and they'd say, okay, this... This might be, this could very well be the horror movie of this generation to, to, you know, really break new ground, to get past the horror tropes of the 80s, develop some new social media based tropes, which it does not at all. And even viewing this as a horror film and not just, you know, to, to get off of our pedestals about this movie for one fucking second here, um, the second kill in this movie happens at an hour and 16 minutes in. And we don't see it happen. We just see the body of the one girl who ran off, the nameless girl. Um, and so this is a full almost hour and 15 minutes after the one kill. An hour and 15 minutes we are watching of little girls screaming and drinking and arguing. Yeah. That is what this movie is. <laughs> that is. That is the most succinct and accurate summation of this film. That is just girls just arguing. It's 12-year-old girls argue the movie. So, boy, and, if that's what you're in for, if that's right. if that's something that you like, strap in. And so, and here's, okay, can I tell you something else? So, um, now the movie realizes that it's only got a little bit of time left, so it starts actually being like a traditional slasher film. So all the girls keep separating, even though they have no reason to, because, again, nobody acts like an actual person in this movie. And they start getting killed off uh, one by one. And the thing, one, one thing that really irked me, by the way, is uh, as girls are being killed or scary things are happening, quote-unquote, we're getting a thousand different camera angles with uh, a cell phone because, oh, goodness, it's the cell phone killer. Um, it irked me that they were impossible. Like, there would be times where a girl would be, like, standing somewhere like, oh, no, and then it would be like there's two camera shots in front of her, like the camera's literally, like, snapping the photos. And then there's, like, one from the side and one from the back, all in the span of, like, a tenth of a second. I'm like, how many fucking people are standing out here in the woods yeah. taking this girl's picture? Because there's, it, there's, cell there's phone cameras are, don't work like that. There's ones that are taken from, like, a drone somebody bought with a camera on it. So yeah, it's, it's like, like where know, the fuck is this all coming from? Yeah. But one of the things that really irked me is, so one of the girls in the Never Have I Ever talks about the... <laughs> talk... Talks about okay. the first. Talks about the first time she had her period, because that's what this movie's about. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a coming of age tale, really. Um, how was this not produced by Lifetime? Anyway, she talked about the first time she had her period, and she was in like summer camp or something like that, because of course she was. And she talks about how it kind of hit her out of nowhere, and it got all over her white skirt. And all over her hands, and she freaked out. And then her mom got really mad at her because she was getting her period too soon. And she needs to stop eating chicken because chicken has hormones in it. And the twisteroo is, I'm vegan. How does my mom doesn't know? Parents just don't understand. Will Smith had it right. But anyway, so later in the movie, this girl, the same girl gets killed by getting stabbed in the uterus, I guess, and in the neck. Just so we can set up a scene where it looks just like she's had her period. And she's got blood all over her hands and she's slapping all over this glass wall or whatever. And they're setting it up to be really poetic. Like, oh, fucking, just, uh, get it? It's like a metaphor. Movie, you've had two hours to tell me a story here and establish this killer. And you chose not to do it. 
now you cannot go back and make this fucking killer into a goddamn Freddy Krueger where it's like, oh, all the deaths are meaningful in regards to how they live their lives. Like, no, no, you don't get to do that now. You don't get to go back and be like, get it? Because she said she, this is what she looked like. With Jay. No, no, that time has already passed. That boat's already sailed, okay? You've decided to make dog shit for two hours. Don't try to turn it around all of a sudden and be like, oh, and now these deaths are meaningful or they're done in, like, a really thought-out way. No, no. You're done. That that opportunity is no longer available. And this is the only time it does that, by the way. Every other kill is just some random horse shit where it's like, oh, hey, slash your throat, or oh, hey, stab this guy, or whatever. It's really a spectacular coming of age, still. I mean, you got a couple options if you want to watch, you know, a movie about kids learning to be adults. You got something like, uh, you know, Stand by Me mm-hmm. or uh, Hugo, mm-hmm. or you got hashtag horror if that's it's the really, route you yeah. want to go. So, so yes, uh, you're absolutely right. They they run out of time. Once again, I know it seems like a recurring theme in movies they watch, but they run out of time. They look and watch and go, shit, we spent the whole movie and I'm just bullshitting. <laughs> and so they, they kill all of them in 10 minutes and then very quickly move to, well, the, the final confrontation is Sam and Kat back to back. So, yeah, at this point we find out this is where Kat is, is revealed as the killer. And so because apparently her mom died and her friends weren't uh, supportive enough, suddenly she needs to become the serial killer and kill everybody off. But the thing that drives me absolutely up a fucking wall is, so she, okay, she's killing everybody. And then her father comes back in the picture and says, oh, I've been watching her. I didn't think she was going to hurt anybody. And then the movie just sort of moves on from that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. A, was he aware that she was going to be killing everybody? And B, if so, then why just now is he like, oops, this is a this is a bigger deal. I need to stop this. So I thought that that was, yet again, just this movie showing its complete inept nature in terms of not knowing how to fucking tell a cohesive story. And, uh... I, did, I don't know. I just felt that that was something that was just like, wait a minute, what? And then it just moved on like, well, we don't really have a, a full explanation for that, so we're just going to move on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the final confrontation there where it's uh, our, our red herring uh, against Kat, and they're both staying there, and Kat finally turns the gun on herself, and uh, Sophia's mom, uh, Mrs. Cox, sees it happen and screams, and that's pretty much the end of their story. From yeah, there which again doesn't to, make sense. Yeah. Like I'm expecting, like maybe the mom is going to hit somebody with the car, like yeah. on accident, something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's leading to something, and then nothing happens. Yeah. And and it's and it drives me nuts because it's one of those things where before, yeah, um, uh, Cat turns the gun on herself and shoots herself. Which again, if that was the goal, like if if, if that was within the wheelhouse, it's one of those things. Like you can't introduce something amazing in, in your in your story if you if you don't want to use it. Like if you've got a super ultimate weapon that kills everything, don't introduce it unless you're ready to use it because otherwise the question is, well why didn't you do that the whole time? So same thing here. If if she's so upset and she's so filled with hate that she just wants to kill herself, then why isn't she? Why does she wait until this very end moment that she's like, oh I guess I can kill myself now. Um and then yeah, and you two, can make the argument while well, she wanted to get a revenge on her friends first, but still, I, I mean, I see exactly what you're saying. That it just and then, seems. Then the other thing is the the movie is so heavy handed with all of its its ideas and things like that that when we kept saying that uh, that Sam was a red herring, 
they set up this whole thing about how she has visions and nightmares of terrifying shit. Like, at one point, all the girls were in the pool except for her, and she has, like, this shining flashback where the pool just fills with blood for no reason. There's all these things where it's like, oh, she's really fucked up. Like, something's going to come of this. No, nothing comes of it. It's just there. It's just there to throw you off. Yeah, that was maybe the biggest throwaway kind of middle finger the, in terms of a theme that you think they're trying to introduce or lead to something bigger that does not at all. Um, and so anyway, so, so, so point is, Kat's dead. She killed all of her friends, except for the survivor girl and, and the, the bitchy Sophia. And, uh, and then suddenly we jump to the news story, the news story of this, of this event. And here's, I think, the real big, the biggest middle finger of all. So we have a, uh, they're showing that this is the news story covering that she's gone nuts. And that's where I said before, they show the picture of her holding the gun that they take a picture of earlier, which is completely ridiculous. They would never do that to a 12-year-old girl. They would show, like, her looking at her absolute best. Uh, that's just how the media is. Um, but anyway, so then we see, like, there are people all around the world watching the story. And we see this mom, and she's not related to anything in the story. And she's watching this all stuff on her laptop. And then this little girl comes up. She wants food or wants to play or whatever. And the mother can't be bothered. And she just hands the little girl an iPad. And just says, like, oh, just go busy yourself. And uh, the little girl just gets entranced with the iPad. Because that's the kind of fucking message this movie's trying to give you. That technology is bad. And that we're not parenting our kids. And that it's a huge epidemic and blah, 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 blah. And it's, again, so fucking on the nose and so fucking heavy-handed that it can't even be taken seriously. Like, this isn't like um, a John Doe in Seven, you know, smash you with a sledgehammer to get your attention thing. This is this big blathering, like, uh, th th again, this is a 40-fucking-three-year-old woman trying to preach at us about something she doesn't fully understand herself. And it's just making for a goddamn mess of a movie to watch. Yeah, did we miss a memo that this was actually a movie that was released in the 90s that just looks like a 2015 film? Because the amount of technology fear-mongering that's happening in this is really, it doesn't seem succinct with our actual generation. It yeah, seems it like missing, something... All it was missing was Tim Curry doing the voice of the fucking iPhone. Like, that was all it was missing <laughs> in the terms of, like, just over-the-top, like, oh, beware of this. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. We do have a clip um, of oh, right, yes. the news stories of how they sound. Yes, so here it is. Socials were trying to prove their allegiance to a fictional online character. It's a tragedy that has shocked this town. So there's your ultimate tie-in, by the way. That's what was based on true events, that this is a giant Slenderman reference. That's the big reveal. And, and, and we should have, I guess, caught on to that earlier with how... Well, here's the thing. 
No, we shouldn't have. Because nothing in this movie has anything to fucking do with that. They frame it with this fucking quote-unquote game, which, by the way, uh, just to show you that this 43-year-old woman doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about, nobody's killing anybody over Candy Crush, okay? Those aren't the things that fucking get into kids' heads and then make them go crazy. And also, by the way, by the by the way, the Slenderman thing is horseshit, okay? Because it's on par with all of those other news stories where it happens to, like, three kids, and now it's suddenly an epidemic. You know what else had that same thing? Because it was really just, like, one one or two news stories happened to involve the Slenderman. Everything else, it's like, oh, and then it's an epidemic. Oh, all these kids, the internet gets in their head and they start killing people. The same thing could be said for the news articles about teenage kids butt-chugging, where they take the bottle of vodka and stick it in their ass, and it gets them to get drunk faster because it hits their stomach and their bloodstream faster. Yeah, it's great. The same amount of, of kids that that actually happened to compared to the epidemic that was that it was created because of it is exactly on par with the Slenderman shit. That it's like it happened to like two kids and the whole world pooped their pampers over it. Same exact thing. So what I'm trying to say is this movie could have been called Hashtag Butt Chug and it would have been just as poignant and prevalent because... They should have. They should have honestly gone that direction. Because, Absolutely. yeah, that's the big fucking reveal is, oh, it was like a Slenderman thing. They, she did it because of this uh, fictional character. Which, by the way, none of the movie talks about up to this scene. This very fucking last moment. There's never... They never talk about uh, an imaginary friend, fictional character. They never talk about the game in any way. They just upload shit like it's Instagram. None of that... Uh, that Nobody talks about high score. Nobody talks about being remembered. None of that happens until this last ten seconds when you go, oh yeah, and now it ties into Slenderman. There yeah, is- the, the, the Netflix description of this uh, does say it's a game. And Zach's absolutely right. They don't really say it's a game, nor do they portray it as a game. They portray it as just any other form of social media where you're trying to get the most likes, the most followers. Hey, I know that peril. It's It right. hurts. Trust me. I know. Um, but it's not a game. It's not Candy Crush. It's not Angry Birds. It is literally just social media. It's just an app that they have where they're trying to get likes and follows. Which, again, that's why this thing feels like it's somebody not knowing what the fuck they're talking about. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I think that if you had, like, a younger writer and director on there, um, could you make a decent movie out of this premise? I don't know. It's a stretch. Because, again, yes, cyberbullying is a problem. Yes, cyberbullying is not great. But it's just like the fucking Unfriended movie where the whole thing is just about, like, Skyping with your friends, and it's a horror And Unfriended, I hate to... I never thought I'd say this, but Unfriended was way fucking better than this shit. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, these are... I get that that horror movies are supposed to be a reflection of their times, but there are just certain attributes that you're just not going to be able to fit into that square peg, or square hole, rather. And so... I don't know. It's really inspired by the by this Slender Man uh, epidemic. Um, I wouldn't even have made it a movie about cyberbullying. I would have made it a movie where the twist is that there is no killer. You would have made it a when a stranger calls type home invasion movie. But the twist is that it's Candle Jack, and it's not at all. There's no actual killer. It's just them killing each other, and they don't even realize it until the end that it's all this this game that they invented in their heads. That would be something. That has actual potential to it. And as long as you don't spend 75% of your movie just having 12-year-olds argue about horse shit, um, 
But yeah, that's what it is. This whole movie is just this big, like, self-righteous, like, oh, the older generation. They, she, this, this 43-year-old woman who was an unnamed actress in As Good As It Gets, she sees things for how they are and the evils of social media and why, uh, have, being confident and taking pictures of yourself is a bad thing and cyberbullying is done face-to-face instead of fucking online where the goddamn word cyber would come into the fucking place in the first place. And it's just, it's, this whole fucking movie is so stupid. Stupid and so it's just a goddamn mess from beginning to end, and none of the characters are likable, and it's just this huge goddamn waste of time, and it's so fucking stupid. And I swear to God, IFC, get your shit together because if you just want to make comedy bang bang and just make you know whatever your fucking TV channel is, that's fine. Stop giving money to people with stupid ideas who want to make a movie. Unless it's us. If it's me and TN, give us all the money you want because we'll make something fucking better than this. And this was so, this made me so angry to watch because it was so stupid and the thing was, the, the message was so heavy handed and confused and, and, and muddied and, and the fact that you had the absolute worst person trying to tell you the story, you couldn't have picked a word, unless it was like a 57 year old, like, white man directing it. I don't know if you could have picked somebody who know who who would have handled it worse? Because at least the old man would have just like made up crazy shit that like social media can't do. Like, oh, and it turns you into a ghost. Like, because he doesn't know how computers work. This bitch thinks she knows, and that makes it even worse. If she didn't, if she just was like, look, I don't know how this shit works, and just made it something crazy, that would be one thing. But the fact that she thinks she knows, and so she's like, oh yeah, Candy Crush, that's the devil. Like, this movie felt like she found the diary of her twelve year old daughter and decided to like just criticize her as a movie. Like, oh my god, I can't believe these kids are drinking underage. Oh my god, I can't believe these kids are talking about sex. Yeah, sex, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to bring it into to, uh, student bodies. But just this whole <laughs> fucking premise of like, oh, can't you just put the phone down? Like, that drove me nuts. And like I said, my, my the best way I can possibly put this together before I have a fucking heart attack is that this movie is just, can you believe kids today, the movie. That's what it is. That's the whole goddamn premise. And the fact that they try to swindle you with the fucking oldest trick in the book, like goddamn Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and say, oh, it's based on true events, which nothing of this is, by the way. They just try to shoehorn this Slenderman thing at the end to try to make it seem like it was based on something. It's all just horseshit. I fucking hated this movie. And I, and I don't want to play the games anymore. I don't want to do anything that lets TN pick these movies because Netflix, you, TN, yeah. you and this goddamn show has ruined my Netflix account. Netflix recommends shitty things to me now. When I logged in, there was a notification, and I clicked on it, and it said, Hey, we just brought a new movie in, The Exorcism of Blah 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 Buttfuck. And I'm like, that's probably awful! And now they think I like these movies! And it suggests they know the truth now. to me. <laughs> You've ruined my Netflix now. <laughs> they think I'm an idiot. They think, like, Jesus Christ, this guy likes just horse shit is all he wants to watch. And that's all it suggests to me now. I go in and I log in and I'm ashamed because it says, hey, do you want to finish watching Blood Glacier? No, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to watch that. So you and the show have ruined my Netflix account. I want you to know that. I have to quit and I have to sign up again to start over because it thinks I like shitty things. Well, you just got to make a new profile just for this show. God almighty. Um, uh, if Zach sounds a little upset, um, 
don't don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm extremely extremely upset by this movie. And for anyone who might have just kind of skimmed through this a little bit and heard maybe the part where we were laughing about Doctor Wade or whatever, or maybe describing the overall premise of the movie, do not be mistaken in any way. This is not Mean Girls, where the girls get killed. As satisfying as that sounds. This is, if you want that kind of satisfaction, go watch Heathers or God Bless America, because those are way better, and that the writer-director is actually trying to do that with those movies, not with this. This is exactly how Zach described it, where this is someone who knows nothing about a social justice topic attempting to make a social justice movie. And honestly, it's not the worst movie we've watched on this show, but it certainly has left us feeling quite broken, frankly. And you're right. I don't. I don't think I can watch another bad movie next week, man. Well, so what do we do? Do we gotta do we gotta quit the show because because we can't handle this right now? There hasn't there hasn't been there hasn't been a movie we've watched that has made me second guess the show premise or make me question doing this like this movie. Now, like you said, we've watched technically worse films. Yeah. But this was the one that made me go, do I really want to do this show anymore? Like, is this is this something I really want to continue to do? I can't, Dan, I can't do a game. I can't do, I can't leave it up to you and Netflix okay, to, to okay. pick it up. So movie. then, okay, so then we got to call him. You, you want, you want me to call the, him? The, yeah, yeah, just... I, I know, I know, but we can't. We can't do this again next week. We can't. We can't watch another movie like this next week, dude. You gotta just just call him and just hopefully maybe he'll be in a good mood and he'll just let us have a little break. You know? <sighs> okay, give me a second. Hello, boss man. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's Zach it's Zach Romero and uh, Tien. Hi, hi, sir. Um, um, you sound good. You sound good today. Have you uh, have you been um, the Pilates classes? Have they they sound? You're sounding very fit. What is it? What do you want, Zach? Uh, we uh, we just got done. We just got done uh, uh, watching. Talking about hashtag horror, which thank thank you, thank you. Yeah, for... so good, so good. Thank you for that recommendation, sir. It's really really good. Yeah, we we appreciate it. Um, but we were thinking that um that one really it really took that the movie really took a lot out of us. So um we were thinking maybe as a uh you know just to sort of change things up a little bit maybe for next week we we could watch maybe a movie that um isn't isn't awful. <laughs> Doing fine so far, I guess. I suppose for just one week, I'll let you find. Oh my God! Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. you. We, we really appreciate that. Yeah, so no, this is. We'll, we'll get right back to work the week after. We promise. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, so, what, 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 what uh, do you, do you uh, what, what film should we be expecting, sir? Watch. Hush. Thank you, thank you, benevolent one. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. We really will. We'll let you, you go. We'll. Let, I know you're a busy, you're a busy person, so we'll let you. Bye. See, it's just, that, a, a it's just that, better than expected. It's just that easy. It's just that he's got it. 
He's got to know how to talk to people. He's got a little bit of a heart in him, I think. You just got to talk to him. He's got to know how to talk to people. Reason. Everybody can reason. All right. Well, great. So we can watch uh, uh, Hush Next. We have heard really good things about that. That'll that'll actually be good. A nice uh, break. A nice, uh, you know, uh, breath above, you know, the drowning pool of uh, shit that we're usually yeah, in. A nice little breathman after eating nothing but horse shit for the past, you know, week. So, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. That's that's nice, actually. That kind of puts a little pep in my step. For that the, does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, uh, great. Uh, do you want to plug anything before we uh, wrap this up here, man? Uh, so, we have our first Frightful Failures on film video that will be coming up very shortly. Ooh, I'm excited for that. Which uh, actually will do sort of a little reference to the show. Uh, as Tien mentioned, he did just recently see Jungle Book. And uh, and we we here at the at the show have a little special um, place in our heart for Christopher Walken, and particularly in his previous role in All American Murder. So you'll see something like that here in the very very near future. And so uh, so stay tuned for that, and we'll hopefully have some more bizarre little videos come out, uh, you know, from there. And uh, and that's it for me. What about you, Tian? Uh, hey, uh, just standard, uh, frightful failure stuff, guys. Um, please like us, uh, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fright Failures and Frightful Failures, respectively. Um, we're posting a lot of good stuff on there, a lot of funny jokes. <laughs> a lot of funny jokes, you know, where it says, it's got a picture of a walker and it says, me when I don't have my coffee in the morning. <laughs> so, really, uh, we're really pushing the envelope in terms oh, of. Oh, we are. Cool. It's, it's really great. Um, great stuff on there. Um, but really, uh, primarily, thank you so much if you have made it this far. And if you could please write us a review, write us on iTunes. Uh, we so, so appreciate it. This is our 10th episode, and we're really excited for anyone that has uh, been sharing this with us so far and has been enjoying the episodes. Let us know. You can even email us at frightfulfairies at yahoo.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see on the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate any and all support right now. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our big, fat, greasy hearts. Yes, and so for Tiny Newell, I am Zach Romero. Thank you for listening to Frightful Fairies on Film, and as always, continue circulating the tapes. Can't you just stop looking at that? Maybe turn it off for a while? Put it down? Can't you do that? That's impossible. No one can do that.